0: We pay our respect to the elders of all of the lands on which we meet across Australia. Animal Liberation! Animal Liberation! Animal Liberation World! World. Welcome to Freedom of Species, the radio show that brings animal advocacy to the airwaves. That was Sally with Out of the Pan, and she's on every Sunday at midday from 12 to 1 before us. First show back for 2024. It is Sal's first show, and she finished with The Sunny Boys, which was Alone With You. Great song. I love that song. Thanks, Sal. So, my name's Trevor. and And I'm Caroline. I'm joined by Caroline. So today we have an interview with Dr. Layla Dagan, who is a doctor and plant-based nutritionist. She's also the founding director of Plant-Based Health Justice. Mm. So we recorded an interview with her during the week because Layla's based in London, so time didn't sort of work out now. Let's roll with that. Our guest today on Freedom of Species is Dr. Layla Dagan, and we're so thrilled to have Layla join us. Born in Tehran, Iran, and raised in Vienna, Austria, Layla is a plant based nutritionist and social justice activist. With a background in medicine, Layla had to pivot her career path due to debilitating migraines. Although Layla's journey to veganism started as an animal rescuer, she later discovered the power of a whole food, plant based diet and healed her migraines through diet. This experience shifted her professional interests. And she pursued a plant-based nutrition certificate at eCornell, part of Cornell University, and obtained a Master's of Science degree in clinical and public health nutrition from University College London. Navigating life as a vegan of colour and an immigrant in Austria and the UK, she brings a unique awareness of the intersectionality of different social identities and injustices. Layla passionately Champions an anti-oppressive approach within the realms of animal rights and vegan activism, leading her to found plant-based health Justice, a non-profit social justice charity dedicated to cultivating justice, equity and compassion to create a healthier and more sustainable world for all. We're so thrilled to have you join us, Layla. Thank Welcome. you for
1: having me. I'm really uh, glad to be here and having this conversation with you.
0: Thank you, thank you so much. So, can we start, um, if if you like, can we start with your path to veganism and you know your animal rescuing and 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 how did that all sort of come to be for you? Bahisha,
1: it uh, feels like ages ago, it is not. I must say, yeah, you know, I grew up in a Muslim family, and uh, uh, you know, my mom, my sister, and myself. Uh, I mean, we were never really big meat eaters. And but when we if we wanted to eat meat, right. it had to be halal. And it is interesting because you know now I'm in the UK, but in the Vienna, uh, people don't really know the word halal. so and I felt like in Austria right. people actually eat a lot of like pig when it comes to animal products. They eat pig and bacon, and as Muslims, actually Muslims are not allowed to have those animal products. So I felt that growing up in Vienna, I felt it was much easier just to tell people I'm vegetarian. It was easier and kind of safer. So there was not uh, I was I wouldn't be accidentally eating you know an animal product. I wasn't allowed to eat. So yes, outside I was yeah. like a vegetarian, but at home I would eat meat. But then when I started uh, studying medicine in the first year of medicine, we had to dissect a human arm and leg, and you know I hated that. But when I was actually working on that uh, human flesh, I mean, you know, we, we say like muscle, but it is actually flesh if you think about it. And I looked at it. And I said, oh, my God, that looks very much like what I eat at home for dinner. You know, the texture, the fibers, everything. And, so, and I thought that was disgusting. I just couldn't do that anymore, you know. Mm-hmm. So I went vegetarian I for real this uh, time. But it wasn't because of my love for animals. It was just more like kind of, you know, this animal product could be just as well human flesh. So it was the other way around. And in fact, yeah. I wasn't actually, Well, I, I don't like to say I didn't like animals, but uh, I wasn't a big animal fan. Although as a child, uh, when I was really little, we had cats. And later in Vienna, gosh, there are dogs everywhere. But I didn't understand animals. And you know, when you don't understand something, you you fear that. Yes. So I was like, there was a bit yes. of fear, but it's also, also like I just don't want to get involved with animals. So I would really try to avoid animals. So, but um yes, later um, much later, my sister wanted to uh, buy cats. Actually, you know, at the time we didn't even know anything about, you know, rescue and all that. And I was against it, but I live with my sister, and she was like, kind of, no, I'm gonna go ahead and do it. And and I was like, you know what? These are your cats. I'm not gonna get involved at all because I don't like animals. But then, you know, those two kittens came to my life, and gosh, it just changed my whole attitude. And then I started. It's interesting, like you know. When you have, for example, glasses, uh, suddenly you go outside and uh, you notice old people with glasses. And it was the same. Once I actually started loving these animals, I would actually seek out videos of animals. And then by accident, I watched a documentary, a four-minute documentary um, about an animal rescue in Lebanon. And that got my interest, like kind of, oh, actually, you know, there are stray dogs. There are actually feral cats. I didn't know anything about all of that. And then I started, you know, watching more videos on, uh, um, you know, Facebook. And then at the time, it was 2000, um, when was it? 2010, when in Romania, they had uh, this new law. No, sorry, 2013. uh, They had this new law where they would uh, kill all stray dogs. Because uh, you know, there was an accident, a little boy was kind of mauled by dogs. And I don't know, I just had this idea, you know what? I want to go and see it for myself. So I contacted some animal rescues yeah. in Germany and went to Romania with them. and uh, I changed after that. I you know, it was a complete change uh, in my attitude towards animals. and at the time I was just still vegetarian. But then once I got uh, you know into animal right. rescue, uh, ex- actually the first time I heard the word vegan, it was a fellow animal rescuer and she was like why are we not vegan? I was like oh, no. yeah. what? That's over the top, I'm vegetarian that's enough, why should I go vegan? But um, another <laughs> uh, animal rescuer uh, uh, posted a video by Gary Urofsky, now I'm not a big fan of Gary Urofsky but at the time that was the very first video I watched about dairy industry, egg industry and what once you know i knew what happened, how that milk i was actually drinking that egg how that was produced how much cruelty there was i was just like kind of i cannot yes. have that enter my body and i really went vegan then and there. Yes. so after that video so that was it for me yeah
0: that's fascinating that's so interesting that you know that the work in Romania and, you know, connecting with other rescuers is, is is so fascinating. And I feel like that's a really common story for many of us who were vegetarian and really didn't understand what happens in the dairy industry. I mean, I, I, I kind of look back and think, how ridiculous. How did I not understand that these cows were in this endless cycle of being impregnated, having calves and, you know, on and on we go. Um, So, yeah, I I think it's a really common shift, isn't Uh, it? It is. And,
1: you know, we often talk about cognitive dissonance. I was actually, uh, when I was a doctor, I was a pediatrician. So I, you know, for me, I would see all these mothers, you know, having babies, and then there was milk. So milk was after there was a baby. But I never made the connection that actually the same milk I'm drinking, there must be a baby somewhere. I never made that connection. But once I knew it, You know, I felt a bit stupid. How could I not have known that? So, yes, it is uh, It's just amazing how we sometimes ignore or not see certain truths which are there, you know, in front of us.
0: Yeah, I think it really does speak to how deeply um, certain norms become ingrained, the cultural norms, the things that happen within a family or within the environment in which you've grown up and it's not it's not questioned is it
1: absolutely and you know
0: healthy it's healthy to drink milk and you need your calcium you know so that's all ingrained in us at at school or you know all of those things so it definitely does take a while to sort of unpack all of that and yeah I agree I agree. you know Yeah. yeah yeah fantastic I wanted to sort of shift and ask you then, um, Layla, a little bit about your experience, um, you know, in in the medical field. So you're a paediatrician, and sort of how you found that, and then obviously you did start to shift away from that, um, you know, for your for your own personal reasons. Can you talk a little sure. bit about that?
1: Well, uh, I always liked to work with children, and uh, you know, looking back. I think, you know, I could have just become a teacher, but for some reason I liked helping people. I mean, you know, as a teacher, you help as well. But for some reason, I just felt like, you know, as a doctor, I can have more impact, especially because my goal was always to go back to, you know, some Asian countries. Uh, I'm from Iran, but yeah, I cannot really go back to Iran. But I was always thinking like maybe I could go to India and some other countries and work there as a pediatric as a doctor. It would be easier, you know. As a teacher, at the time I didn't think that, you know, a teacher could actually travel and have an impact. So anyway, so that's why I became a doctor, but I had a lot of health issues. I had migraines, and at some point I realized that actually I was just either working or uh, I was just in bed with, you know, pain. So I didn't really have a life as such. So that's why I had to leave medicine and it took me a while to find out what I wanted to do. but. Uh, I uh, went into fitness uh, industry and it was uh, I was lucky actually because that is the, uh, also the time when I went into animal rescue and then you know through animal wow. rescue I became vegan. But then you know when I went be- vegan, I had no idea about what it is. As doctors, we don't get any education on nutrition, so I had no idea about you know being careful what I eat. All I was (laughs) worried about was getting the good vegan chocolate and ice cream. That was my only concern when I went vegan. So I didn't really care about other foods. So, uh, you know, for me, yeah, I I have a sweet tooth. So that was more important. So anyway, but, you know, in a way, I was lucky being a, a personal trainer because, you know, when you are actually a personal trainer, people want nutritional advice. So they kept asking me questions, especially, you know, when you're a vegan personal trainer. And I had no idea, so I had to educate myself. And this is how I kind of, by accident, like by coincidence, I actually attended a conference on a whole food plant-based diet. And I heard all these wonderful stories how people reverse their diseases on a whole food plant-based diet. And I just thought, you know, maybe it can help me. And it did. So, and Mm -hmm. after that, I was really blown away by nutrition. By the, by the power that food can have. I mean, if you think about it, we, this is something we do every day. Three, you know, Most of us, three times a day, we eat something and it is available. Yes. And it can be quite cheap. And if it can help us, I mean, you know, to avoid expensive medication, expensive therapies. I mean, it is actually like a magic formula. And I felt like, you know, that is something people are withholding from us. And if I could access that and make it accessible, that would be amazing. And Mm. uh, that is why I changed and went into nutrition. And even as a nutritionist now, my approach is always, you know, food first, because I don't believe in all these uh, expensive, unnecessary supplements, you know, or even expensive food items. Uh, Again, I I believe good health should be accessible to everybody. You know, whether somebody is sitting in Europe having access to wonderful, full supermarkets or somebody is in, I don't know, Asia or Africa, and they have limited uh, food available. So I think, you know, if you need to have something in a bottle, which is expensive and not everybody can afford it, then, you know, I'm always uh, sceptic. So I rather go, yeah, I like to keep it simple because I think, you know, you don't want just to reach The 1% of the society, you know, it should be, you know, everybody. So everybody should be able to benefit from it.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think that really ties into, um, in terms of issues around social justice, food insecurity, which we know is a huge, huge issue in many, many parts of the world. And, you know, where I am in so called Australia, there is quite a significant cost of living crisis going on. And many of the food relief charities, of which they're quite a number, which is which is wonderful, but they are stretched beyond means. So they're even finding you know working people just cannot put food on the table every day. and you know we we are a very wealthy country comparative to too many. and I'm sure you sort of you sort of hear that um in your work and uh, and i was going to ask you about that in terms of sort of some of the campaigns and and some of the awareness that you um you know seek to raise with um plant based health justice are those issues around um yeah food insecurity uh, and also i think you know racial um justice because we do see areas where really good, nutritious food is just simply not available to people.
1: Yes, uh, that is a very good point. And it is interesting because usually when we talk about food deserts, we are always thinking of uh, the US, but it does exist in all the countries, everywhere. And Mm. uh, again, Mm. I was working, um, you know, you mentioned how it is in your country, like, you know, people cannot afford food. And I have heard that here in the UK, again, a wealthy country, some children they actually steal these ketchup, you know, sachets from school, take it home, add hot water to eat, to make like a tomato soup because they don't have any food to eat. And this is, you know, we are, you know, this is a wealthy country. They should have, uh, you know, people should have access to food, but they don't. They cannot afford it, and this is horrible. And that's also, I think, you know, when I talk. Um, uh, about nutrition, I always say the best nutritional advice is useless if people cannot actually access food. If they don't have the that access to food, so what is what's the point of giving them the best nutritional advice? Or you should have, I don't know, five de- uh, five fruits and veg- uh, vegetables a day. Yes, good. I know that now, <laughs> but I cannot afford it. So what is the yes. point? And uh, yes. so yes, I think that is exactly. really important. And again, it is when I was working here in London in the community, uh, you know, sometimes people cannot, you know, vegetables. And we we always, you know, as vegans, we like to say, oh, legumes are cheap, you know? Yes, they are cheap. But it's not just having some cheap food. It's also, do you have the time to cook? And not everybody has actually a fridge or even an oven, you know, a cooker at home. We take it all for granted. And I had actually a yeah. client in the community, and he said he doesn't have a fridge. So he and he was he had a busy you know job, and he said yeah. he has to cook at the weekend and store it for the week. And he was using his friend's fridge, and the friend wouldn't allow him to have only vegetables. So he had to eat meat to keep his friend happy. I mean, we we cannot think Ooh. of all these things because you know we always. Take yeah everything is for granted. we think it is easy. So he had to choose between preparing food so that he doesn't actually go and buy you know processed food during the week or eating meat. It sounds you know I'm yeah. sure when we say that to anybody else they say, oh yes, he should have stood up to his friend, no, it's not that easy. you know we don't understand these uh, complex relationships. And sometimes, you know, you just make the best of a bad situation. And that is what he was doing. So yeah. I think the, uh, what vegans always saying, oh, legumes are cheap. That is actually not helping anybody. Yes, they are cheap. But do they have the possibility, the opportunity to cook? And also, you know, food is more just than, uh, you know, sustenance. Uh, you know, it should also give us mm. pleasure. And we do actually eat for comfort. And... It should also re, I mean food reminds us of uh, you know childhood of uh, we always have associate some memories with food. So food is more than sustenance so it's not like kind of just cook some vegetables or some boil some vegetables or you know legumes and have it. No how do you make that actually how, enjoyable, delicious? So, you know, you're just saying it is yeah. cheap, that doesn't help anybody because, and again, you know, that is why people rather go and buy McDonald's, for example, because with £10, they can feed the whole family and it is delicious or because of, you know, it's processed. So it is going to be, and children especially, they like it, rather than with those £10, how are they going to prepare a good meal for their family? And these are the things I have heard in the community. And I don't feel for them. So it's as straightforward as we like to have it. And we often forget how privileged some of us are. Uh,
0: Oh, most definitely. When you mentioned that about, you know, feeding a whole family with, you know, sort of McDonald's, it reminded me of, I think it's the documentary Food Inc. Do you know that one? Yeah, where there is a family that um, I think go to a Whole Foods store. And they're looking at all of the beautiful broccoli and other vegetables. And the mother says, I'd love to buy this for my family. I can't afford it. Because as you say, for you know, ten dollars or whatever it was, they could all buy um a meal at um, you know, a fast food outlet. Yes.
1: And so I think when we and the broccoli. Yes, and, and that is hmm. I think when we talk about health we need to actually consider all the other what we call social determinants of health. You know, where do people live? And, yeah. and racism plays a role because, uh, you know, when we say racism, racism actually, again, we talked about interconnectedness of uh, injustices. Racism actually causes yeah. stress. And racism also causes problems when you go, for example, shopping. You don't have access to the same... Uh, you know, fresh produce, for example, in some shops. You know, some shops actually, in Mm. some areas, uh, processed foods are cheaper than fresh produce. So that's why people say, okay, I'd rather buy that. You know, then it's easier to feed my family with that. So, you know, all these little uh, aspects, we just don't think about it. So what is the point of me telling people what to do and giving them advice when they don't have the access? So I think we need to, you know, consider all of that—the interconnectedness of all these issues—and that is what is missing. And I think as long as we don't do that, we are just uh, talking to, a, you know, one or two percent of the privileged people, and nothing is going to change. And it is like the same with animals. You know, as vegans, obviously, we are yes. trying to reduce animal suffering. But what is the point of me getting yeah. people in the UK to drink less dairy, for example, when nothing changes in Asia? For example, you know sometimes what we don't actually consider is that they, talk, they take all these animal agriculture farms and they transport them, for example, to Pakistan or some other country. So nothing has actually changed in a way. I mean, in terms of uh, harming yeah. animals, it may just not be in your country. So we need to actually mm. have a, uh, you know, we need to think globally and then maybe act locally. And I think that is really very important for us as animal act- uh, right activists, as vegans. You know, if we really want to reduce and eliminate animal suffering, because I think, you know, that is our goal. Isn't it a vegan world? Not just a vegan UK, mm. not just a vegan, I don't know, New Zealand, Australia, yes. US. Because at the moment, I think a lot of the animal um, rights activism, vegan activism, is very much, um, uh, you know, addre- you know, it addresses only English-speaking people. And so it is just maybe just a few countries, yeah. really. So if we want to expand our yeah. reach, we need to consider all these other issues. So, yes. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's probably a good point for us to just pause for a moment and we might go to your first song. Now, this is um, Bella Chow, and we're going to play the Palestinian version. And you said that you really love yes, this. Yes,
1: because it is a resistance is that- song, isn't it? Yeah. So, and uh, yes, I, I have been listening yeah. to it quite a lot recently. <laughs> yes, I love that one.
2: <laughs> أرض الأديان كنا بنعيش مبسوطين في أمان صحيت اليد وطني محتل سرقوا الأرض أتلوا الأحلام تلوا لبلاك طردوا الأجداد صفقة جاو صفقة جاو صفقة لسة عربية حرابيه تلقص إلنا يا أحرار قتلوا الأطفال, أتلوا الأطفال. صفقة جام صفقة جام صفقة جام جام. طش 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 ايوا قانون العدل شفنا يا قانون العدل شفنا ولا سلام يا محتل الظلام جو صفقة جاو بلسطن عربية حر القدس قلنا يا حرام بإرادي أوي وحدي وطني Safqa, Cha, safety, cha,
1: Donations to TransFamily are tax-deductible. For more information, visit transfamily.org.au or look for us on Facebook. TransFamily is a 3CR supporter. Stand in solidarity with Palestine this Sunday. With the most devastating attack ever launched on the people of Gaza, it's time for all of us to stand in solidarity with the Palestinian people. Israel has waged war on the Palestinians for the last 75 years. The Nakba, ethnic cleansing, occupation of the West Bank, East Jerusalem and Gaza. Israel has now imposed a total blockade on Gaza and declared war stopping food, electricity and fuel and launching an all-out attack. We have to mobilise to show our support for Palestine. 12pm State Library this Sunday. Rally to demand freedom and justice for
0: Palestine. No war on Gaza.
1: Free Palestine Melbourne is a 3CR supporter.
0: We're back on Freedom of Species with Dr. Layla Durgan, and we've been having a fascinating conversation about um, access to food and interconnectedness with so- other social justice issues, and all of the amazing work that um, Layla's been doing in her career, and also with plant-based health justice. And I think that you touched on something really um, important, Layla, just before we we went to your song about that sort of interconnected interconnectedness with other social justice issues and also thinking about veganism and um, you know access across um, across the globe. And I did want to um, bring up a really wonderful presentation that you've done and I've watched the video recently about decolonizing veganism and how important that is and how important that is for those of us with white privilege. You know to to lean in and to listen to these stories and to understand multiple perspectives and i wondered if you could talk a little bit about that
1: sure yes uh yes i i have been talking quite a lot about decolonizing um nutrition but also mm-hmm. plant-based nutrition and veganism because i think what we are at the moment practicing uh you know is really white veganism and again for me yeah you know, I started uh, my journey to veganism as an animal rescuer. So for me, animals are the main reason. Uh, everything I'm doing is really for them, even being a nutritionist and even actually inviting people to be healthy, because I think, you know, the healthier you are, the better you can show up for animals. So I think that is really important. People forget yeah. that. Yeah. So you are, And especially because I actually uh, witnessed that in my own life, how when I was unhealthy, when I was uh, kind of, I had these health issues. I didn't have a life. I couldn't really do anything at the time for animals. So being healthy is actually a prerequisite to being able to help uh, more animals and just you know make an impact uh, in this world. Let's put it that way. So yes, I think you know we forget that colonialism has shaped our worldview, and and it is a lot of people say, oh you know my country was never colonized, you know. But it is the, just the worldview, the mindset. Mm. So, and the mindset is uh, that of people who are kind of white, uh, people who are rational, uh, people who um, kind of think thinkers. They are better, like kind of you know, superior yeah. to others and uh, so- something i use uh, you know during that presentation is uh, i don't know if you remember there were two circles one was like kind of you know uh which was the white one you know <clears throat> logic and all that that is the colonial kind of uh, viewpoint and indigenous nature animals all of that is on the other side and these are sup- uh, inferior and those uh, values should move closer to the other side, which is the colonial value systems. So I think we forget all of that, and that is the root cause of where we are now with animals, you know, if, when we think of animal agriculture. And, uh, and if we don't actually pay attention to that, it can infiltrate our vegan activism, and we see that. Because, um, you know, right now, for example, with this genocide, you know, and we see a lot of vegan and plant-based organizations being silent. And we just keep saying, oh, yes, it's because of funding. But what does funding mean? It is a capitalistic system, isn't it? Yes. So, and capitalism is actually one of them. It's it's difficult to say if it is one of the tools of colonialism or actually they go hand in hand. Again, they are interconnected, you know, one without the other doesn't work and uh, so i think it's really important to understand all these uh, structures because they are actually about making just more money making uh, it's about profit really using the land using resources using people using anything just to make profit mm-hmm. so and if we don't pay attention we are going actually to fall into the same um, traps really and it doesn't matter even when we are actually promoting an animal free diet for example or animal free i don't know clothing or whatever it doesn't matter if the root cause if the system is still that we are not really uh, changing anything because they're all interconnected we need to actually change the mindset and i think it is not easy i must say i think it is um very difficult and uh, it is just like kind of you know uh, we, uh, unless we take an anti-oppressive approach uh, unless we are always aware that oppression is present and we have all all of us we have an internalized oppress, uh, oppression yeah and uh, unless we recognize that we are just uh, going to uh, perpetuate the same you know system nothing is going to change. And I think we already see that in the vegan movement. So, you know, uh, for me, uh, I mean, you know, I grew up in Austria where it's a racist country and it doesn't come to uh, as a surprise to me that they are pro-genocide now that, you know, uh, I was talking to my brother who lives in Vienna, and he said there aren't any protests, nothing, nobody's saying anything about Palestine because they would be arrested. So it is really bad. It's even worse than Germany, at the uh, you know. So and I think people don't realize just because you are vegan and you say you're not harming animals, it doesn't really translate into not harming other humans. Oh, and that's why you need an anti-oppressive approach.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: And. Uh, In order to take an anti-oppressive approach, you need to understand what oppression is. Mm. I think we always think, oh, it's easy, but we don't. And that's why we see, for example, people who were supporting Ukraine, but they're not supporting Palestine. And I always, as an Iranian, I get quite upset that a lot of Iranians who are against the Iranian government, but they are Zionists, and they don't understand that it is the same oppressive system mm-hmm. So either you are against oppression or you are not it's not this selective uh, when does it actually i don't know benefit me or uh, where does it uh, or i don't know it, it's just selective <laughs> i don't know why how they choose it but uh, yes yeah, it just uh, yeah they just select which oppression they want to fight for example yeah and which oppression is okay Yes, um,
0: and, and that takes me back to something that you did say in this presentation, and for listeners we will link that in our notes for the show. But in terms of the systems that have sustained colonialism, one of them is individualism, right, mm-hmm. individualism. And that sort of concept, I think, for some people where a, a form of oppression that they may not have personally experienced or had any knowledge of. It hasn't touched their lives. It, so they don't really, it's not part of that their world view. And I I understand that on, on one level, but I don't understand um, not seeing the responsibility that you have when you have privilege to consider your place mm-hmm. in the broader world and the things that are impacting others. Because if we are trying to advocate for animals whose rights um, are being denied, how can we not be standing up for anyone whose rights are being denied? I, I just it's that simple really isn't it?
1: Yes and I think individualism that's actually an interesting one because what it really says is that we prioritize the interest of one group yes. And uh, we, I mean, versus community and what we are trying to do as vegans, isn't it? We want to uh, help animals, nature, and this is also this nature, you know, exploiting nature for profit. Mm -hmm. So you can only do that when you put your own interests above those of nature, for example, or animals. So anything that profits you, it's all about you. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, when I say you, uh, I am talking about one individual, but also groups, yes. groups of identities, you know, which come together. And again, I uh, I think we see so many similarities about, you know, between all of these things and what is happening now in Palestine, you know, that they actually, uh, they say uh, their interest is more important than uh, the land of Palestinians, the animals of Palestinians, and obviously the human lives. So it's all like kind of you know what benefits them, and uh, and you know as we have been saying that uh, it has never really been about hostages for them. Again, it's because they want the land to exploit that land for profit. And mm-hmm. uh, yes, understanding all of that and how uh, if we want actually to undo all of that, we need to have a new mindset. And we, it takes work. It takes work on yourself. You know, each of us we have to do the work, uh, yeah. in, if we really want to help uh, to make create a better world. And yeah. you know, recently we were discussing the ten stages of genocide in our fortnight uh, fortnightly meetings, and somebody was saying, yes, but what can we do now with this one? You know, if uh, you know it's too late. You know, the education we can do that later. But I believe it's never too late to educate ourselves and if you don't do that if you don't do it right now yeah you you know nothing will change because there will be a ceasefire yes hopefully sooner than later there will be a ceasefire Uh, but if we haven't learned anything you know once there is a ceasefire people are just going to go back to business as usual nobody's gonna you know educate themselves and We'll be back again where we are now. I mean, that is why we had, you know, uh, how many years is it now since the World War II? Is it 60 and 70? No, yeah, almost 70 years, 75 yeah. years since, since then. It's the Holocaust. And here we are again, another genocide. That's
0: right.
1: So if we had learned anything last time, we wouldn't be here. And, uh, and I must say, yes, uh, white people have more work to do, but it doesn't mean that we don't, uh, you know, people of the global South don't have any work. And I think that is again, that's why I like to talk about internalized oppression. That is something people often don't uh, talk about. And again, when we go to um, talking about decolonization, I think uh, all these people, um, you know, from, uh, you know, in the global South, mm-hmm. they have internalized those ideas. Even we think that, you know, um, anything which is white, which is closer to white, uh, to you know, this Eurocentric viewpoint, mm-hmm. we believe in that too. And that is why all these McDonald's, Burger Kings, Pizza Hut, they go to um, India, China, all these other countries, and they do very well because people see that as a sign of um, being modern, being Westernized, being actually civilized. Let's call it civilization. You know, we always think that mm. this is a sign of being civilized. Mm. So yes, I'm gonna stop now. No, no,
0: but I was just thinking, you know, and that, and that's where absolutely those those corporations want to expand, don't they? I mean, it's all about, you know, that's that's what capitalism is. But then they do bring a whole range of um, issues around um, exploitation of workers, environmental degradation, and health issues right because people who have not been eating highly processed foods that then start to to bring that into their diet start seeing the kinds of things that we were talking about earlier
1: so yes i mean dairy for example we know that uh, a lot of uh, people of color are dairy intolerant and you know and then you have all these uh, dairy products now in those countries and it sells and uh, yes it causes all these uh, health issues and we know that in those countries uh, rate of cancer heart disease diabetes is you know increasing why because of those uh, processed westernized foods yeah. i actually have written an article on that as well you know how we need to decolonize nutrition in general yes yeah. and one of the problems that we have is that again people believe Because, you know, the West, let's uh, look at it. We have all these powerful countries, the world leaders. They are powerful. And people believe that if they want to be like them, they have to do whatever they are doing. And food is one of them. So, yes, and it it takes a lot of um, unlearning. A lot
0: of unlearning, absolutely. It just reminded me of, um, I think it's Dr. Michael Clapper who said, you know, it's the food. Like, you know, that's the issue. That's the issue that's that's um, creating all of this um, preventable disease um, amongst people, which is really sad, yeah, yeah. really, really uh, upsetting to hear. I think we might take another quick pause and hear another of your songs. And I think the next one is by Shervin and yeah. it is um, Berate.
1: Is that how Barayeto? Uh, it is. It's like uh, for you, and it was a popular song uh, a couple of years ago. After Masa Amini was, uh, well, she died, but you could say she was killed by the, you know, morality policy in Iran. And I love the song because he is discussing. Actually, he is almost mentioning every social injustice issue in Iran. And he also mentions the stray animals, the stray dogs. So I like that uh, even animals are included in uh, when he's talking about all these problems that Iran is facing. So. Uh,
0: it's an absolutely beautiful song. I'd never heard it before. And his voice is extraordinary. So he's Shervin.
2: کوچ رخصیدن برای ترسیدن به وقت بوسیدن برای خواهرم خواهرت خواهرامون برای تغییر مقصد که پوسیدن برای شمنندگی برای ویپولی برای حسرت یک زندگی معمولی برای کودک زبال گرد و هارزوهاش برای این اقتصاد دستوری برای این هوای آلوده برای ولیست شده درخت های فرسوده برای پیروز و اعتمال انقرازش برای سگ های بیگناه ممنوعه برای گریه های بیوخفه برای تصویر تکرار این لحظه برای چهره ای که میخنده برای دانش و برای های برای دی برای برای نخبه های زندانی برای کودکان حفظانی برای این همه برای غیر تکراری برای این همه شعار های تو خالی برای آوار خونه های پوشاری برای احساس آرامش برای خرشی پس از شبای طولانی برای ورسای عصاب و بیخوابی برای مرد میهن آبادی برای دختری که آرزو داشت سر بود برای زن زندگی آزادی برای آزادی
0: If you're feeling the heat this summer, you're not alone. Our wildlife becomes stressed and unwell more quickly in hot weather. Please keep an eye out for native animals this summer, especially during a heat wave. If you have a backyard, balcony or courtyard, provide water and shade. Call Wildlife Victoria on 8400 7300 if you see wildlife in distress or for more information. To donate or volunteer, go to wildlifevictoria.org.au. Wildlife Victoria is a 3CR supporter. Australia's energy market is broken. Right, but CoPower gives you better energy? Nope, no retailer can control where the electrons they buy off the grid come from. But as a CoPower member, you can vote on where 100% of revenue goes. So instead of corporate profit, your energy bill builds the world you want to be a part of. That's cool. Learn more about the solidarity economy and CoPower today. And take the power back. Victorian Energy Fact Sheets and basic plan information documents are available at cooperativepower.org.au. For clear advice on the right plan for you, contact us on 03 9068 6036. A 3CR supporter. And we're back on Freedom of Species with Dr Leila Durgan, and we have been having a wonderful conversation about all sorts of things related to animal advocacy and veganism and health and food and social justice. And I thought in our remaining time, perhaps we can talk a little bit more about what's happening um, in Palestine and your advocacy around that, because I absolutely loved the statement of solidarity that you developed under vegans for Palestine. And as you said, there's been, um, you know, some disappointing silence in the animal rights um, movement. And that statement was so beautiful. Again, we'll link it in the show notes. And um the Freedom of Species team signed it and all of us signed it as individuals. And we're really happy to keep um, you know, sharing that with people and hope hopefully opening hearts and minds. But I'd love to hear more about the background to that, Layla.
1: Thank you. Yes. Uh you know, I have been advocating for Palestine for decades, really. Uh even a- before I knew what my own government, what the Iranian government, uh, you know, was doing in Iran, uh, I knew more about Palestine and what was happening. So for me, uh, each, and, you know, now we know that uh, now most people have learned that uh, every few years or even every year, you know, Israel bombs Palestine or Gaza, you know, usually during Ramadan, you know, Israel bombs Gaza or, you know, there's some bombing, some, uh, you know, violence happening and uh, so i remember i think it was a couple of years ago there was again like, some bombings and whenever that happens i'm always you know posting about it on social media and i'm always like kind of disappointed that not more people are actually engaging with those posts and i remember i posted once um you know about the silence and there was this uh, white vegan who said yes, uh, you know, he can understand why people are silent. And I said, yeah, but then if they spoke up, uh, you know, for BLM, if they understand that, you know, and they say Black Lives Matter, if they really truly understood that and they showed uh, you know, solidarity, then they would understand that they have to show solidarity with Palestinians. And he said, yes, but then BLM mm-hmm. was kind of, you know, uh, mainstream and uh, it actually got them more attention, you know, if they show solidarity with us. Palestine is not ma- mainstream, they may actually lose followers, so that's why they are silent. And I just said, Yeah, but then, that is exactly my point. Uh, you know, uh, you either you, you, believe in something or you don't. When you are doing it for the wrong reasons, then, then I just think, you know, as people who call them just ethical vegans, I know we usually use the word ethical just to refer that we are vegans because of animals. But I think we shouldn't forget Mm -hmm. that, you know, ethical means doing the right thing. And either you are compassionate or you're not. Like Laura Schleifer said, this selective compassion, it's not, you know, you just turn it on and off um, whenever it suits you really, isn't it? If it gets you more followers, it's on. If it doesn't off, it doesn't work like that. So when this time (laughs) It happened. I remember when my sister came and told me, "Have you heard about the attacks and you know Hamas has attacked uh, Israel?" And she said, "This is going to be bad." So you know because the retaliation. Mm. And so I knew there would be some silence. But to be honest, when it turned out to be such violent attack on Gaza, I thought people would be more active. And I think what really bothered me was that. Um, vegans are actually um, cheering it on you know so that is really sad but anyway so yes a friend who felt the same um, she contacted me and she said we should do something and while we were discussing you know what we can do we came up with the idea of actually a solidarity statement getting vegans together and say look you know we should really do that and show support and because solidarity is really important it sustains you know it's really important for us when we want to carry on and We had a few uh, uh, kind of disagreements because I felt like we should actually make public all the organizations we had the statement to. So if they actually didn't sign it, people should know. They they knew about the statement and they refused to sign it. But she didn't want to do that, so I gave in and said fine. But if somebody asks me, I'm going to tell them which organizations I sent it to. Because I just think, you know, a lot of these organizations, all of them really, they, uh, they usually go. Uh, you know, they ask for money for donations. So if I'm going to donate to an organization, I want to know that that organization is uh, ethical, really. You know, so I mean, for me, it's the same with animal rescue. When I, yes. I one of the reasons I always go and actually visit animal rescues and shelters is because I want to know that uh, shelter uses every penny for animals, so that it goes. To the right, you know, to the dogs or animals who need that money, and I think it's the same with veganism. Why should I, you know, donate to an organization that is not ethical? So uh, yes, I think it is important, and also sadly, it looks like a lot of funders are pro-zionist, or um, I don't know if they are Zionist or. But anyway, the silence has been really deafening, and. I always look at the people who complain about the silence, who are, you know, feeling disappointed and betrayed. I'll go on their social media, and the majority of them, they don't have a large platform. They are just, uh, and they don't. So, and it, I think it shows something. So, those with large platforms with a huge following, those are the people who are silent. And we recently, a group of us collaborated and we created a a, a recipe book for you know to raise funds and it was interesting because i saw some of the vegan celebrities who actually liked our post and commented oh that's wonderful but there was nothing on their own uh, you know social media about palestine and what is going on so i know that a lot of these people who are silent some of some of them actually do support palestine but they just don't have the guts to stand up and say And I think uh, the the reason is, yeah, when you sell out, you know, once you have sold out, yeah, it is, uh, yes, it's not even always about the money. It's just about, you know, keeping your status. And we always believe that it, you know, just like a genocide doesn't happen overnight. You know, we all, Get, becoming corrupt doesn't happen overnight either. Yeah, You know, you start chipping away at one of your values or, you know, I connect with somebody I don't really like, I don't like uh, their values, but yeah. they have the right connections. Let me network with them and ask them for, I don't know, a speaking engagement or for funds. But each time you do that, each time you actually sacrifice one of your values, something in you dies. And then one day you you know you find it much easier just to give up all of your values because you want to keep your status, you want to keep your funding, and so that's again why uh, you know uh, in front of um, um, the uh, in Austria in front of the, one of the uh, concentration camps there is a statue and it says uh, in Germany like kind of in German it says Mensch sei wachsam so people be kind of mindful, be aware. And I love that statement because it's it really is talk about like you have to be mindful every single day. You have to be aware because it is so easy and it can easily happen. And we see that it is happening now. So we have always to be really aware of what we are doing, why we are doing, because and I know I'm talking like that now, and I know if I'm not careful I can easily become like one of those people who are silent because, you know, uh, it is. it brings them more money, it brings them more funding, more following, uh, you know, it, uh, yeah. And to be honest, after four months, if anybody talks about it, I think the first thing they need to do is call it what it is, a genocide. And uh, rather than calling it a conflict, a war, it's not, it's a genocide. So yes, it is. Um, and you know, the question I ask myself is, what is going to happen to humanity after that? How are we going to see each other from now on? Because, uh, you know, when you go out, you I mean, I don't know about you, but I look at people, I'm like, kind of, are you a pro-genocide or not? So it's just, uh, you know, something is shifting here because, you know, we felt that there were some rules, that we had some uh, kind of agreement, like certain things you don't do. That's not right. We know we we felt like, you know, there was like, we hadn't discussed it, but on an unspoken like kind of agreement, we don't do certain things. But now we see actually apparently it happens. And the fact that people, you know, and especially some of these vegan uh, doctors, you know, who support you and I just think as a doctor, how can you see these uh, children killed, you know, and still say it is justified because that is what one of the doctors said, one of the vegan doctors, that the killing of children during a war is justified. And I just think, uh, you know, it it goes against uh, everything that a doctor should stand for. For me as uh, somebody who, you know, who used to be a doctor, I'm just, how can you say that you're supposed to, you're supposed to save lives, not promote killing, but yeah.
0: Wow. Thank you so much, Layla. Thank you. It's for been having absolutely me. wonderful speaking Thank with you. you. That was the interview with Layla. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, lots to talk about. I think we'll um, get Layla back to talk more about her work with vegan athletes and plant based nutrition because there's so much to cover there. And yeah. she's given some great talks at like um, VegFest UK, et cetera. So I think that's a whole other show to sort of unpack. <laughs> so. Um, Yeah, definitely appreciate Layla's time and kind of that's it for us this week, really. Um, If you want to hang around, Trev and I are doing rotations today and we're going to play some music from Rise Against. Yeah, and to take you out, actually, we might just play a little sample of Rise Against so you can hear what you're up for. For sure. So this one is track four from The Sufferer and the Witness. The Sufferer and the Witness. This one is Bricks. (laughs) I'm <laughs>